Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Five states throughout the country are holding their primary elections today. Folks in Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, and Washington state are casting their ballots. Let's take a look at some of the key races. In Michigan, Republicans will choose a candidate to face off against Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Five political newcomers are competing in a tight race. Former President Trump on Friday endorsed conservative commentator Tudor Dixon. Trump also jumped into a House race in a district currently represented by Republican Congressman Peter Mayer. He was one of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. The former president has endorsed businessman and missionary John Gibbs, who worked in the Trump administration. And over in Kansas, voters will decide whether the state will continue to allow access to abortion. Kansas is the first state to vote on abortion after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. The election commissioner of Wyandotte County says putting the question on the ballot has had an impact. And we're getting a lot of um, increased voter turnout because of it. I think uh, early voting as of this morning, we have about 2,000 more early voters than we did back in 2018. And we have a little over 1,000 more um, voters who requested a ballot than we did back in 2018. So we definitely have an uptick in, in, in uh, voter registration and people getting out to vote. In Missouri, the race for Republican Senate nomination is between former Governor Eric Gretens and Eric Schmidt, the state attorney general. On Monday, Trump made an unusual statement saying he's endorsing Eric. Both Gretens and Schmidt claimed Trump's endorsement in tweets sent just minutes apart. When asked for clarification, a Trump spokesman said the statement speaks for itself. In Arizona, voters will pick between Trump-backed gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake and Karen Taylor Robson, who has the backing of former Vice President Mike Pence. For Democrats, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs is facing Marco Lopez, a former Obama administration official and former mayor of Nogales, a border city. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey will not run again due to term limits. And in Washington state, the 3rd Congressional District is represented by Jamie Herrera Butler, who voted for Trump's impeachment in 2021. She's facing a primary challenge from Joe Kent, a former Green Beret officer who's been endorsed by Trump. With multiple states having primary elections, election integrity is in the spotlight yet again. I chatted with Congresswoman Claudia Tenney recently about her own election and how she started the Election Integrity Caucus in Congress. Claudia Tenney, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, great to be on. Congresswoman, I want to ask you about your most recent election. You had a very interesting uh, race, to put it mildly, when it comes to election integrity. If you could remind us how your race actually played out that night and uh, what had you most concerned about the result. Yeah, my election was very uh, extraordinary because I was winning by 28,422 votes because we know the numbers now. Uh, it took 100 days of counting in court. It was all uh, done under the guide, guidance of a Supreme Court justice in upstate New York. And it took 100 days of staring down Mark Elias and his attempts to overturn our election. Uh, I think the election could be characterized by the pandemic and the fact that Governor Cuomo at the time uh, changed the election rules over 100 times, making it almost impossible for our boards of elections to really manage this election with high turnout in a presidential election, first time we had early voting, uh, allowing no excuse absentee voting, providing an online database where people could actually register to vote. They were vote harvesting that way without securing uh, the identity of the people that were uh, that were asking for votes without really verifying, no signature requirement, all required by New York's Constitution. And all these rules were put on the wayside to enhance the ability 
viability of, of vote harvesting. And then those laws uh, continue to be in place. And then incredibly, uh, in my election, uh, as Mark Elias continued to try to uncover votes, we found uh, all kinds of irregularities, votes found in drawers, votes found on shelves. And this is, you know, weeks and even months after the election. And finally, in January of 2021, we were actually registering voters, registering them to vote and count those votes in the 2020 election well after election day. So it was a huge amount of irregularities. We were able to pull it out by 109 votes. Uh, and uh, that's what caused me to form the Election Integrity Caucus, just to find out what's really going on to ensure that we have free and fair elections we secure the private right to vote, maintain one citizen, one vote, easier to vote and harder to cheat. Because my dream is to make sure every legal citizen who's entitled to vote exercises that right as a self-governing constitutional republic. It is, it is just essential that people understand that we are not uh, an authoritarian regime. We are driven by the people and their right to vote is really their greatest expression of self-governance. So is there or what is the uh, single biggest issue that you think is facing or, or biggest challenge our election system? Right now, uh, it is the interference of private money that was uh, through Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook billionaire, who put over 419 or so million dollars into really uh, targeted zones, into swing state areas, and almost uh, 90, a little over 92% only Democrat areas where they were trying to prime the pump. Some of it was legal, and that's probably the biggest concern that many of us had. Uh, so I started, I, I introduced a bill called the Stop Zuckerbucks Act. Uh, these, this money was filtered through 501c3, so it was using our federal uh, tax uh, protection system, just stating that we can no longer do this. We can't have this shield. A number of states have passed this, including Florida and numerous others, and also a number of states, including Florida, which uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has been a leader on this, uh, is criminalized vote harvesting and the, uh, the attempt to undermine our election system. Unfortunately, uh, we've won on Zuckerbucks uh, because Mark Zuckerberg and others have decided not to intervene in our elections, but President Joe Biden signed an executive order, which I think is unconstitutional, taking a billion in taxpayer dollars and putting that money into, again, giving federal agencies like HUD, the Small Business Administration, and inviting agencies, which have nothing to do with elections, to be the centers for where we can collect votes, secure votes, and also register voters. This should be the sole job of experts and people who are trained, who understand the importance of the integrity of elections. Uh, in the boards of elections, in the states, in the counties, and, and places where uh, we know that our right to vote is going to be secured. You mentioned a few of the states that have passed some election reform. Uh, another one of those states, I believe, is uh, Georgia. And one of the main things in their bill was chain of custody. It sounds like chain of custody was an issue in your election, potentially. Uh, what would you like to see in regard to that? Right. Chain of custody is another way of saying we need to make sure that every citizen that votes in the United States their vote is private, that the government doesn't know how you vote. Because once the government knows how you vote, that opens the door to what we see in Soviet Union, China, communist regimes, authoritarian regimes, is the government actually knows how you vote. And that's intimidation. And when the government can intimidate you and make you feel, geez, we got to 
we got to, you know, vote the way the dictator wants us to or we're not going to get our benefits or we're not going to uh, get our freedom or we're going to be sent to a gulag. That's why we have so many laws in place is really because of that. Our founders saw this uh, early on when the New York State government actually created uh, Article 2, which covers elections. They knew how important it was not to have government officials and partisans being able to intimidate and, uh, the voters and their right to vote freely, fairly and securely and privately. That's the real key issue there. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. A drone strike in Afghanistan's capital city of Kabul killed al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawari over the weekend. That's according to President Biden on Monday. It's the biggest blow to the militant group since Osama bin Laden was killed back in 2011. Zawahiri helped coordinate the 9-11 attacks that killed nearly 3,000 people, and he succeeded bin Laden as the leader of al-Qaeda. My fellow Americans, on Saturday, at my direction, the United States successfully concluded an airstrike in Kabul, Afghanistan, that killed the Emir of Al-Qaeda, Iman al-Zawiri, that no matter how long it takes, no matter where you hide, if you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you and take you out. A Taliban spokesperson confirmed the strike and condemned it. Meanwhile, both Republican and Democratic lawmakers praised the strike. But Zawahiri's presence in Kabul now raises questions about whether he received sanctuary from the Taliban. The U.S. had expected the Taliban to abide by an agreement not to allow al-Qaeda fighters to reestablish themselves in the country. With the Taliban back in control of Afghanistan, U.S. military operations still continue. Here to discuss the news of al-Qaeda's number one in command being killed, we have retired Army Colonel John Mills. Colonel John Mills, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Steve. Always an honor to be with you. Colonel, uh, you know, it's being reported Osama bin Laden's number two in command, uh, al-Qaeda leadership here, Ayman al-Zawiri, who assumed the top role when bin Laden was killed, has been taken out of uh, Afghanistan. Uh, If true, uh, how big of a development is this? Well, Steve, this is, of course, a big development. I remember right after 9-11 when uh, uh, I had to start be part of the team at the Pentagon that tracked all these, what we would call HVTs, high value targets. Uh, Zawahiri was always uh, in the top five and and usually in the top one or two, uh, right after Osama bin Laden, as you've mentioned. Uh, This whole situation is a bit curious. There are reports from credible sources that that said he died of health uh, issues last uh, last fall. So uh, uh, unclear. Either way, him being gone is a good thing. Wow, that's that's quite interesting. I mean, hypothetically, if this is him and he was killed, uh, how long do you think he was in Afghanistan? And does this uh, raise some concerns that Afghanistan is still a uh, breeding ground for terrorism with the Taliban resurgence? Uh, absolutely. This uh, the debacle of the administration uh, uh, departure from Afghanistan. That was one of the big concerns. Is is Afghanistan would return to be uh, Rumsfeld would call it sanctuary, sanctuary for Al Qaeda. It would be a training ground. It, and when you're fighting an opponent, you always want 
sanctuary where you uh, can uh, train, organize, and uh, prepare for actions against your opponent. You always want sanctuary. And uh, again, with the, the absolute historical um, blunder, failure, and, and uh, humiliating departure from Afghanistan, it's, it appears to be this is what it's going on. It's, it's now back to sanctuary. Now, I, I bring up history. It's very important. Dick Clark, uh, the national security uh, uh, advisor, uh, I mean, excuse me, staff to, to Clinton in the 90s, shouted about al-Qaeda, Osama, Zawahiri, and that's the whole reason why Clinton sent tomahawks into the training camps in Afghanistan. Some would say he was trying to divert from domestic events. Might have been part of it. But uh, it, again, it, historically, here we are almost 30 years later, and Afghanistan appears to be once again sanctuary. At the same time, Colonel, uh, does this you know, potentially taking out such a high-profile target such as al-Zawahiri. Um, should this put other terrorist groups on notice that the U.S. is still highly capable and active in the region uh, despite withdrawing from Afghanistan? Yes, this is in some ways very Trumpian because Trumpian, Trump wanted us out of forever wars, but at the same time, however, reserved the right to reach out and met out punishment uh, where and when we ever uh, we we wanted to, we would we would go where we wanted to go at any time to hunt down and eliminate, uh, whether it be uh, Baghdadi or Soleimani, uh, we would go after them. And this is it demonstrates the the again the incredible reach and sophistication. If it was actually Zawahiri that was taken out, and the reports of last fall were inaccurate. Uh, so it, it demonstrates, and I always, I always have to bring in the Chinese and the Russians because they, they study our activities with immense detail, and 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 pulling off an operation like this is immense planning, logistical support, intelligence. It, it just it is an incredible operation, and it shows the sophistication of the American reach uh, to reach out. Uh, all the way on the other side of the globe and uh, eliminate a very specific personality. And, uh, and this is unbelievable. This is one of the great advantages of the American uh, uh, instruments of national power. And again, China and Russia study this. They have nowhere near this capability. They're too busy uh, oppressing their own internal populations, the, the Uyghurs, Fallen Gong, Christians, etc. But they believe me, I know in immense detail how they study everything that we do. And again, I can assure you an immense amount of uh, the MSS intelligence apparatus for China is, is studying this operation. Colonel John Mills, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Always an honor to be with you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.